0: Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast presented by OnX Hunt. Happy to have you here for another week's episode. If this just so happens to be your first time joining us for the show, welcome. We are truly happy to have you here, and hopefully, hey, maybe you'll come back. Uh, a couple of quick things first. As always, if you have the time to give us a like or a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, those are our two biggest platforms. means the world to us, helps the show out a ton. If you want to go even a step further and write a review on our Apple Podcast, page i cannot even begin to say how much that helps the show onyx elite memberships let's talk about it real quick if you're not an onyx elite member i think it's time that you give it a look besides the fact that you get access to all the 50 states and all the hunt layers which in itself is all the value that you need but onyx wanted to add on more you also get access to a whole pile of benefits and services that make the membership truly pay for itself just to list off a few onyx elite members get access to deals from brands like primos bushnell sale cameras cornerstone gundogs rob roberts custom gunworks camp chef silencer central mossy oak the list goes on and on i truly just named off a few so check it out today onyx elite now let's get to today's episode Jordan and I sit down to discuss the two different hunting trips that he and I took in this first half of November. Both of them very much hunting trips, but both of them are very different from one another. So, without more rambling, let's get right into the conversation, and I hope that you enjoy it. Past the midway point of November, Jordan and I sit here together on, uh, recently both of us coming back from two very different, hunting related outings i was doing man stuff so was i <laughs> just different kind of stuff <laughs> oh man you well, know
1: then, november's made to, like go to the midwest and white whitetails like. to each
0: their own i did that for here's here's where all right so this is what we got i uh so last time that you were on an episode you were talking about getting ready to leave for said kansas yeah i was leaving like four days later yeah that was like the end of october and we were going to you know circle back and see how it went i was there for like two weeks see i know yeah i mean if we went if you gave a day by day of how that went this would be a five-part episode series saw a lot of deer <laughs> like a lot of bucks
1: um, for calling like one of the best hunts i've ever had many deer as many deers i actually called in rattling and running right. and stuff
0: that's fun yeah yeah I, and i i, I got Uh, mixed reviews from people that found out what i did for some of them they either gave a reaction like you did like they were just appalled that i wasn't trying to find a deer to hunt that instead i elected to travel north and i'm not appalled
1: by any circumstances it just it's like you know it's a little rut time so
0: yeah so here here's where i'm i'm just going to put this out there because i don't know if i've ever said this publicly so well let me back up what i did instead of going deer hunting is i traveled to far north country and hunted birds with my dog and some friends been bred again if y'all remember him and some other folks um hunted rough grouse for a few days and then traveled to another place and hunted pheasants for a few days and uh i like bird hunting man i like upland stuff hey you got the itch on that what me and you go together the first time you went we did out to kansas i didn't even have Knox yet
1: Right, I had Delta. Yep. And you had Knox. No, he, not
0: Knox wasn't even No,
1: you didn't have Knox. That yeah. was You had Knox, but He was a puppy. Yeah, he was like not little. old enough. He yeah. was like 4 months
0: old. He was tiny.
1: Yeah, cuz you got him what
0: 18 you, I think.
1: You got him like I know you dove hunted him
0: with him, but you elected not to take him out there that year. Yeah, I mean he, he was He was like 6 even, months old. I don't even know if he was something like that. Yeah, yeah it was too I mean we didn't even have him even closely to being ready yet. Yeah. He, he was actually at school then, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. He duck hunted that year. Right. He yeah,
1: he was he was with Mr. Bill, I think, when we went. Because yeah. you got him
0: like right four duck season That's, from there. That is correct. If I remember right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that first truly upland trip I ever went on, it was you, myself, and Ben. Mm-hmm. Hunnin- you got the itch. Bad, bad, bad. And then like this is where the mixed rev- like I'm probably going to get some mixed re- uh, mixed responses about this. I have deer hunted so much in the past 9 years. I still enjoy it, but it's like I I'm okay taking a break from it for a little while. Yeah. That's just me. That's just me. Like I'm not I mean I'm not going to deer hunt at all this year. Like I've deer hunted a little bit this fall, deer hunt some more when it gets to December, January and stuff, but I just don't I don't have the itch to hunt them every day like I've been doing for the better part of the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the opportunity to hunt things with feathers, and here lately, that's just been sparking my interest more. But the itch is on.
1: Well, man, one, one day, you may pick up golf and not even hunt anymore at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. I but mean, this is kind of the transition. You know, you start going from deer to smaller critters, and eventually, eventually you're hitting a, a little white it's ball. a little white golf ball. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wearing checkered pants and yelling for <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nothing against golf. I mean, I know people yeah. that are addicted to it, just like we are turkey hunting. Yeah. So, no, each is on.
0: No, I don't think golf is in my future, but I like those birds, though, man. No. Gosh, it's fun. Well, What's
1: going to happen is you and Lacey are going to start playing tennis together.
0: There would be, No. <laughs> No. Oh man, but I was on a. Uh, I was my my mom made me and my brother take tennis lessons when I was like in sixth grade, mm. and I was. This is going to be hard for you to believe, but I was terrible. <laughs> <at> ten- <laughs> you're
1: pretty good at ping pong, though. So. But I was not good at actual I mean, tennis. You're like a defensive wall when it comes to playing <laughs> ping pong.
0: Yeah. No, I I I wasn't bad like me well it was like one of those things when we went to like tennis lessons it was just me and my brother and uh the Penn family that was friends of us and when we played like each other we were like man we're pretty good at this tennis thing and then one time we play other people that are not in our little circle and we would just get smoked (laughs) and we're like oh we're not that good Uh we're actually not that good Uh um I think I, if I know our demographic of listeners, I think they will be more interested in your deer story. We'll have more people more interested in your deer story than they will my Upland story. Well, well of course so i mean i get i know our <laughs> listener like i said I, that's what i'm saying i know people are gonna be like what's wrong with you why are you not so i, I mean, love so, giving you a hard time so especially
1: you, on a subject that you know you deserve a hard time on
0: that's fine i'll take it yeah, yeah. i mean like I, I i do not care i i will unashamedly skip out on the most whitetail month of the year to go hunt birds and run my dog i just i enjoy it more currently in my life but we can get into more of that later i want to hear about this kansas whitetail calling smorgasbord leave for 11 days come back home leave again you did like iowa part two it was just it was pretty state. much identical um so i left on
1: the. so this was a cool factor talking about like family and stuff like this like Finally got to be at home on Halloween with Brintley. Got mm-hmm. to go do the trick or treating thing. Enjoyed yeah, that. Yep. Left out the next morning going to Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, weather-wise, not that great. Everybody's been in the Midwest the last two weeks. No, you said it was hot. Oh, uh, it was brutally hot for this time of year. Like it was in almost ninety one day. Mm. But. Um, Given that I had some time to play with out there this year, I was like, "Well, might as well go try to get a filler for what's going on, get some stands." Cause we've hunted out there before. Right. We got a lot of stands scattered around. Yeah. And, uh, but nobody else messes with them, so I had to go make sure all the stands. And ended up having like four of them with broke straps and this Safe and another. And stuff, so, yeah. So yeah. I spent most of day one when I got there like checking everything. I hunted that morning for like forty-five minutes, but majority of that day was going around, put out some cameras uh check stands replace straps on stuff that way when it got the weather got good it's time to go like i got got options yeah and uh anyway um let's see the first day saw some deer that afternoon i hunted a big alfalfa field just kind of observation seeing what was going on yeah and nothing i mean nothing crazy i saw a couple of young bucks and a couple of does and uh moved forward a couple of days, had a front coming down. I think I day three or four I was there. It was gonna go from like highs in the seventies and eighties to like highs in the forties and fifties, like big change overnight. Yeah. And it actually snowed. Like it dropped farther down than they were predicting. Like it got down into the in thirties and windshield like in the twenties overnight. Sure. Snowed like two inches. It's like this is November like the fourth, so you're like, okay, it's it's go time. Should
0: get kicking, yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh, that morning I went and set a spot that we've hunted a good bit. I always see, I, I well I say I set a spot. I first full morning I hunted, I hunted where I shot the ten point uh, on a Truth video like four years ago that I called in the the one. Who come across y'all we played it. cat and mouth with yeah for y'all like three saw days. him like a day before right.
0: and, okay and then you saw him the morning you killed him you saw him and groaning him over in that little. right gap well behind. i went yeah. and
1: set that stand like the second or third morning i hunted ended up seeing a lot of uh bucks on a doe like four or five bucks and two of them were mature they were like protecting her like she was sure uh, enough like hot gotcha and kind of early for all that it's usually about the Eleventh through the fifteenth out there, when you start seeing it, sure enough, like locked down with a doe in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and uh well, I saw them up on a hill, and there's a few trees around there, and they're very like unique, like little crappy trees, just like can't hardly get a stand. That's what them. you kept putting on your Instagram, right? So I got a little creative with my saddle. I was able to get one stick in a tree, and then step up into a fork and put my platform. I was like seven foot off the ground. Yeah. But uh, the morning that cold front came through, I got up in that tree because I'd seen deer crossing there for years and never could, filming wise, you couldn't get up there at all. Do anything all. with it, yeah. And uh, set up in this tree and I ended up being able to see like 500 yards each direction. Like, yeah. really good spot to figure out what deer are doing. Um, saw 14 bucks from that setup that morning. I had a really nice buck that was young come following a doe like, 30 yards and that's one of them deals where i'm like i really want to shoot him but he's young and out there you really don't have a ton of pressure those deer can get old if you let them and uh ended up letting him go and uh saw a bigger buck go down in a holler and ended up punting about 12 30 because the wind got up about 30 miles an hour so i went down in the bottom kind of where i saw that buck go in there climbed another tree got set up ended up seeing another seven or eight bucks did not see that one that went down in there but i ended up calling in like shoot five or six of those to the base of the tree that gracious
0: so you were in deer oh yeah i
1: ended up seeing 24 different bucks that day yeah
0: like all young that alone just what you're talking about is the beauty of Saddle hunting or like them lightweight setups, yeah, just being able to get like move, w- move, and get in unorthodox places if need be.
1: Yeah, like the setup where I was up on top of the ridge, like legit, I off seven foot off the ground. My little platform is in the base of the fork in a tree, so yeah. I could have a little, you know, level spot turn and twist and stuff. Mm-hmm. But literally, I had a buck come walking up there and it was so funny because i like my feet were not six foot off the ground yeah so i'm like literally like 10 foot from this one bucket came yeah. walking up there looking for where that railing was coming from i was like i've never been this close to a deer yeah. and uh like he was under the tree so like i could almost like step off on top of him <laughs> like it was pretty neat but uh um, it's cool anyway saw all kinds of deer that day and uh from my sit up on top of the ridge I kept seeing i did see a mature eight point i saw him five or six times throughout the week never could like get him in bow range and uh don't know if i'd have shot him or not he's like one of them deals like a mature deer but at the mm-hmm. same time you know what's there so you're like i don't know what to do with this one right. if, if he'd end up walking in pop pin range i'd probably shot, shot him, him yeah you know me
0: i know you well enough to know you would shot him
1: but yeah. anyway i saw a lot of deer moving down the south end of this uh what do you call it like a plateau or it's like surrounded by drains all around and it's kind of flat
0: on top yeah plateau
1: so i kept seeing deer at the very south end of this like 400 yards from me moving around down there so i'm like okay i got check mark i got on onyx and started looking at it as far as the topo and aerial Mm -hmm. and i was like okay i understand what they're doing It's going from one deep drain to another deep drain and they're short shucking going all the way around. So they have one spot, like a little saddle on this plateau that they're using. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, if the wind gets out of the south, I'm gonna go down there one day. Yeah. Well, ended up wind never did switch for the next three or four days. It was out of the east, which is crazy out there. It's hardly ever out of the east. And uh, saw a lot of deer over the next three or four days and it started getting hot again. And uh, they were forecasting it to be, like, in the 80s for three days in a row. This is about the 6th or 7th of November. So, I'm like, okay, I'm going home. Deer, mm. deer starts quit moving. Yeah. Like It's a full moon. Like, they're not doing a whole lot. So, I'm finna go home for three or four days and then come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were predicting last Friday, which if you you were up there you know what came through it was a freaking arctic blast it was I very mean, it like, was very cold <laughs> like it was but from a deer hunting standpoint it timed perfect with a rut right and uh i had some real estate stuff going on uh friday and saturday so i couldn't go back the day of the front but i ended up sending real estate stuff was over with on saturday hit the road and you shot back shot up back, there. back up there gotcha and got there late saturday night and uh sunday morning Oh, uh, where did I hunt at Sunday morning? Oh, I went back to the spot where I shot the 10-point like three years ago and uh, ended up seeing the same mature 8-point again, rattled in a 10-point that's young. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you put up a video of him?
0: Yeah. Okay. I yep. remember seeing a young 10-point on yep. your story.
1: Yep, yep, and uh, ended up rattling in another Almost ten point, he's like a eight point with little bitty bumps. He's yeah, a young deer. Trying to be a ten. And uh he's like a hundred and forty inch two year old, like gonna be a freaking giant. And uh So it bees in Kansas. I just hadn't been seeing the mature bucks that we normally see in that area, so I'm like, Okay, this afternoon I'm going down to the south side of that peninsula plateau, whatever you want to call it, right. and give it a try. Yeah. Because
0: that is where I did see
1: a couple of mature bucks cross, you know, a week
0: before. Had you ever other than looking at that spot and looking at it on Onyx, mm, had you ever really put never any boots in the ground over there? Never been in there, there at all. Okay. Like
1: we've, all. Over the years we've hunted, we've never hunted on that side of that ridge. Okay, And uh, maybe a mile from where I hunted that mm-hmm. morning, I'm like, okay, the, the mature bucks are here somewhere. They're just not here. Yeah. So let's punt on audible and change some spots up, try some new stuff. And uh, I got in there that afternoon. The way this laid out was – where you come in this farm, there's a big bluff, and you follow the bluff around to go where I'd been hunting. It's like Mm. two big drainages that meet, and then they separate, and they run for like five miles through this prairie, so Mm. they're huge drainages. Yeah. And uh, anyway, where I pull in at, uh, there's a bluff on the very south end of that plateau, and we got a, a south wind, actually, I'm sorry, I'm backwards. There's a big bluff on the north end and we got a south wind. So okay. coming up the ridge okay. the wind's blowing right back to where you come in from. Yeah. And I'm talking about steep. Like it's almost vertical. Like Good. one of these deals you gotta grab trees to go up it huh. or you're gonna slip go back down. Okay. So it's not super long walk, but it's steep. about a hundred and ten, hundred and fifty foot elevation change. Yeah. And it's super steep. So I eased up there and came in. The way it uh laid out, I'm trying to paint this picture for people listening to no, it I so, fo- I so they can it. Uh, the visualize. More, the more detail the better. Yeah. And I was looking at an onyx, so the kind of the area I was wanting to get was up on top of this ridge, but I could see off in the bottom to my left, see off in the bottom behind me. Only spot I
0: couldn't see is the way I came up because it's just so steep. Are you are you running just topo mode, or you got it on hybrid? Hybrid. See? That way I can, because out there, you can pick big trees, too, because there's not many to choose from. I tell folks all the time, even if, like, one, running, I, I like, I, I don't think I ever have my OnX turned on just satellite imagery. It's I, always I, on hybrid. Because even if, like, I, I tell folks all the time, they're like, oh, I don't know how to read topo. I'm like, you can kind of start piecing topo together if you have it on while if you have it on hybrid while you're out and about because you can just start picking up on what things mean yeah but if you do know how to read topo i i, I tell folks this all the time when i see that they have their maps just turned on regular satellite not on hybrid because picture perfect example i'm like if i'm just looking at the imagery i'm not getting the full story you could look at what you were looking at and all that elevation change on an imagery and you're not you can't tell that there's yeah. 150 feet elevation change mm-hmm. And so, you're using that to help pinpoint, like, this is where I'm trying to get to. Yep. Huge tool. So,
1: my plan in my head was to get up on top of this ridge and wind blowing 15, 20 mile an hour. It was like, I got a chance of deer coming 360 degrees because being that much of an elevation change, that winds is most of the time just blowing right over top of right everything in the bottom. Yeah. So, uh anyway get up there i'm just taking my time because once again the wind's blowing so i'm being stealthy as i can be like i'm just taking a couple steps glassing looking through binoculars because up on top of this plateau there's sumac bushes and the grass it's a winter grazing area for cows so gotcha. the grass is knee high in there so yeah. it's bedding opportunity everywhere. plenty
0: of plate for them to hide
1: end up this is a cool part when i'm sitting up there studying when I actually get up on top of the ridge, I'm just sitting up there looking around. Okay, can I get in this tree? Can I get in that tree? Can I shoot out of this tree? Mm-hmm. And um, take my binoculars and I'm surveying the area, seeing you know, kind of looking at trees from 25, 40 yards away, seeing if it'll work for mm-hmm. a shooting opportunity. Because a lot of times out there, you you can find a tree to get in, but the overhanging branches, you can't shoot anywhere without cutting a lot of stuff out of the way. Right. Oh, uh, ended up seeing three deer. Bedded down out there in that plateau while I'm standing there looking for a tree, so I'm like, okay, confidence building. We, 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 I think we may be in a spot here. Yeah, and uh, I move like 20 yards. I see a tree that might work, and uh, I walk over there close to it, and I start looking around the side of this hill. And uh, there's three scrapes in there, like mega scrapes, like big boy scrapes, like big as a truck hood. Right, like, you like
0: the Midwest kind of scrapes. Yeah, like yeah.
1: bigger than I've ever seen. Like, like kay. Mondo. Like you remember that scrape we made, Trick and Jimmy, that time? That was I'm, big as
0: a truck. I do remember that. One of
1: them's that size. <laughs> <laughs> and the licking branches like big as your arm been broke off. I'm like, hmm. okay, there's, I think there'd be a mature buck in here just from the sign. It's a right. mega sign. You can't always judge that, but when it's really, really big, it's I hard mean, to
0: ignore it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I found a tree that I can see off into the upwind side of the draw and I can see behind me. And uh, of course, I can see across the top of the plateau, you can see 300 yards that way. So, yeah. But I was really wanting to see in this drain to my left. I feel like a deer crossing plateau are going to jump in that drain, and they're going to follow it down and then take the exit to the right going up the highway. Yeah. Um, So I find a tree work. I'm able to get about eight, nine foot off the ground and uh, have a really good shooting lane. I had to cut a couple limbs out of the way, and I could shoot uh, the big scrape to my right and i could see all the plateau to call from but also that big drop off behind me so mm-hmm. it's a really good calling spot they can't
0: get behind you
1: well they have to come look too right and um uh, anyway get all set up situated i get in there like twelve thirty. so oh, i got shoot
0: yeah you got time I got,
1: i'm just taking my time and um uh, while i'm setting up i have a button head come out of the plateau coming down the drawl exactly like i had in my head like they're gonna do he ends up coming to the tree i'm sitting in putting a stick up sniffing the tree i'm on mm. and i'm like okay buttonhead. they're not the smartest animals in the world but still it's he's a good sign he's coming down this trail it's, thought, not, it's not yeah. a bad sign <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad sign yeah so uh get up there get settled winds are uh, once again just howling and about to freeze my butt off because yeah. this windshields probably like 15 18 uh, degrees typical
0: kansas doesn't uh, mean it's pleasant but typical right. kansas
1: and um set up there three or four hours haven't seen anything um you know but still you're expecting it's november the 13th mm-hmm. and uh you just don't ever know mm-hmm. so uh about three o'clock i rattle and nothing um just me being me, I get impatient and say, I'm going to rattle again about 20 minutes later. I actually, what made me do it faster than I normally would was the wind quit for just like 45 yeah. seconds. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, let's make hay right now.
0: Yeah. And so, I so you can get that sound out there.
1: Tear the horns together and uh, put them back up and just sitting there and i just glancing around like you normally would. Yeah. And I see a deer coming. Mm-hmm. There's a spike. I'm like, all right. Well, this spike is behind me. He's 50 yards when I see him, but he ends up uh, ends up going up the ridge right behind me. Ends up going by like 30 yards. So I'm ranging spots, you yeah. know, just in case Paying another one. Paying attention to
0: where he rocks through, yeah. Because yeah.
1: literally, without without being in like a mobile type setup like that, like it'd been hard to shoot this deer because yeah. he's directly behind me, like downwind side. Um, so I'm ranging spots and this is a key point (laughs) in the story is that huge drop off behind me is playing tricks with my rangefinder because i'm picking up picking up stuff right there that i want to range, and then it's such a drop off it may be ranging 80 yards right behind it i see so anyway i'm watching spike he goes on the back hillside and i lose him and i'm like looking for him to pop up on my right because he's just looking around searching for where that rattling came from right. and i swing back around and kind of glance back down to where he came from and there's another buck standing there yeah a big body deer i can't see his head but because there's so many limbs like i was talking about earlier right. i can see like from his brisket down yeah i'm like that's a big deer mm-hmm. so i pull my binoculars up and immediately I see him turn his head. I was like, "Oh gosh, he got drop tines." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, get my bow, get my bow," and he's uh he's following the same path that Spike did. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, as soon as he gets in that hole where I said I could shoot the Spike, I'm gonna shoot him.
0: Yeah. Stop him and shoot him. There's when the pictures when you post a picture of that deer, somebody asked. They were like, uh, they were at, what did they ask? It was some, they were they were like, you think Jordan? Was targeting that deer or was trying to kill that deer you know uh, and i was like a deer like that with all that craziness he had going on i was like if that if that deer came through the woods and stuff like where you kept showing you were hunting unless jordan knew that deer was in there he probably looked at him for about 0.5 seconds and went oh gosh and yeah, just grabbed his bow dude i got so
1: <laughs> i normally <laughs> don't get super nervous before like, i usually come apart after i shoot yeah I got nervous when I seen him.
0: Yeah, my heart went to beat. Well, and- anybody that has been in a similar whitetail situation where the you know the deer is approaching and you don't have it's, it's not like a deer in a food plot where you you go okay let me get the binos out and let's look at him you know it's like I got to make this decision quick and you're looking through all those limbs and you just see antlers going weird directions and you're like holy smokes what like, am I, I looking had at?
1: I knew he was a old deer from because i saw that first i saw like big body deer yeah. i didn't know yeah. what he had on his head right and uh when i saw what he had on his head like oh my goodness yeah. i I, do, I didn't even know what else he had i just saw a drop down i saw a big big frame i was like he did i mean i'm gonna, shooting him. gonna yeah. shoot him so he's following the path up there to where it spike went he goes in the hole and i had ranged the spike earlier and it said 30 nope sorry it said 45 okay mm-hmm. um and I stop him. I shoot and shoot like a foot over his back. Okay? hmm So, he bounds off down the hill. I immediately grab my grunt call. He stops. I grunt at him. I snort wheeze. I'm looking at him in binoculars. And he cocks his ears back and fr- frizzes up. He don't know what's happened. I'm yeah. like, okay, we're still in the game here. Because he's coming looking for a fight. He don't know. You yeah. know, especially as windy as it was. He w- like he knew something tried to get him. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming he probably thought it was something buck or whatever. Yeah. So, uh I get another air knocked in, trying to keep eyes on him all at the same time. He doesn't move for a couple minutes. And uh, I snort wheeze at him again once I get everything ready (laughs) to shoot again. (laughs) And he starts coming back up the hill. I'm like, oh gosh, gosh. here we go. And uh, he's coming right back toward the same spot. (laughs) And I didn't have time to range again. So I'm like, okay, I just shot over top of him. So, let's use the same pen because he's going to be a little farther this time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, ends up, he stops in the hole by himself this time. Yeah. And he's just down there looking. So, I have a little bit more time to just kind of settle in. And I end up shooting him, and I see that it hit him. And it acts like it hit him hard because he just bucks up and goes to running, tearing mm-hmm. down the woods. His tail's not up. Uh-huh. I lose him immediately because of the drop-off. Like, right. he goes down the drop. And you know, second guessing yourself all at the same time, cause
0: was it a good shot? Who that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I call I call Jerry. I'm like, man, I just shot a freaking monster. I have no idea how big he is. I know he's got at least two drop times. Yeah. <laughs> of course, he's all fired up. Yeah, I can
0: hear him. Oh, BC. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so I uh, I get down out of the tree. I just, I'm just go ahead and pack up my saddle, my sticks, take my time, getting all that in there. Yeah. And walk down there to where I shot him at. I can't find anything. And I look down the hill and was like, okay, I see some disturbance in the leaves there. So I walk down there and there's part of my air broke off and there's blood everywhere. Okay. This is where it gets interesting. Mm. And where I think a rangefinder made a huge or that the rangefinder I have made <laughs> made a huge impact in what happened is is I've already explained to you how steep this is. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I thought he was 45 yards. Yeah. Okay, I shoot him for 45 yards and hit him. Mm-hmm. And I ranged back up the hill to where I was sitting at, and it was 72. Do what? The angle. Is it an angle compensation thing? So I couldn't figure it out, and I walked back up the hill trying to figure out, like, what am I looking at here? Yeah. I walked back up the hill to where I, my, my, I was in the saddle at. And range back down there to where I shot him at, and that Bushnell rangefinder shows you two numbers: one's mm. true distance, one's the distance you should shoot him at.
0: Uh, and dude,
1: I would have never shot at him if I'd looked at the true distance. Uh huh. But it ended up being
0: shooting him for forty-five yards because it's so steep. Right. It's wild. Like, See, I, I was wondering when you were saying that. I was wondering if that came into play because I'm thinking ankle compensation, but I was thinking i don't think it was going to be that drastic however i it's it's very believable and i'm sure there's folks that will listen to the story that can relate you get into thick you know kind of more dense timber like that distances can mess with you
1: well with that drop off i mean the deer's 275 pounds easy yeah and it looks a lot closer than he is yeah that's why i'm thinking Like, it was a wild deal. Like, I have no idea how all this happened still. Yeah,
0: that's crazy. And,
1: uh, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, start seeing blood everywhere. And he's down to the bottom of the hill. And, I mean, he's spraying everywhere. and ended up running, like, 125
0: yards and dying. So no issues finding him? None at all. Like,
1: like what blood trail you want to see, you know? Yeah. And uh, just the craziest thing ever. And when I walk up on him, I'm like, Oh my gosh! What is this thing? Yeah, and um, ends up he's like has twenty-one, twenty-two points. Yeah, like he's a main frame ten on one side. With, yeah, his
0: other side's crazy.
1: Yeah, his his I I call it a good side. I mean, both sides are good, whatever. But his normal side.
0: Yeah, typical side. Yeah,
1: well, it ain't typical, but yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> More typical than the his other. typical
1: side. I mean, it's like twenty-five, twenty-six inch beam on that side. And he's got a 10-inch drop tine and another 5 inches of flour coming off his G2. Mm. Like, it's crazy. And then his other side <laughs> has another big drop tine coming off, I guess, of what you would call his G2 or his brow tine. I'm not real sure. Like,
0: he's crazy looking. Yeah, it just kind of goes straight up on and, the other side. And-
1: yeah, and turned out, like, ended up having a lot of history with this deer. Not me personally, but, like, we have been hunting – that deer for years. Mm. You've heard of him, the cr- McCrab monster.
0: Oh, <laughs> ends up being that deer. And I bet Jerry was uh, beside well, himself. Well,
1: the funny part is the neighbor ends up having trail camera pictures of him for like last five years. Mm. And they couldn't kill him. Like nobody's seen him during hunting
0: season. Yeah, I've heard Jerry say the McCrab monster a thousand times. So his
1: deer ends up being like, I pull his jawbone out and it's just like he's a, you can't really age one after eight or nine yeah you know, he's just but slick i mean he's just old as dirt which wow. is that's a really cool part and ended up last year he was like 180 something inch deer with drop tines yeah like he's
0: just huge yeah like, big deer
1: like, well it's literally a once-in-a-lifetime deer for me for sure yeah like just super proud of him and well, <laughs> it's yeah. crazy how the story unfolded and Sick. having a second chance and all that 50 yards an hour wasn't far enough you just had to push
0: it a little bit farther
1: i wouldn't have shot at him if i'd known he was that far yeah. like one of these deals i'm like i feel good about shooting with a 45 yard pin and drilling and he ends up being sick how's that work with angle
0: i don't know somebody man.
1: smarter than me's got to explain yeah, it to I,
0: him. i'm sure there's i mean it's i don't know apparently apparently that range finder was correct you know yeah um, i mean
1: that's why i shot over top of him the first time yeah because I was shooting him for a longer distance than he was.
0: That's insane.
1: But it was wild. <laughs> it's an yeah. interesting week and a half in Kansas.
0: Yeah, I saw when I saw the picture of that deer, I was like, "Goodness!" Like he just, he's just wild looking.
1: Um, Will never kill another one. Nothing like him. Probably
0: not. Yeah, I mean he's terribly unique. Just mm-hmm. crazy unique.
1: Yeah, and just ended
0: up being a deer that they
1: were hunting for you know a couple of years thought he disappeared or whatever yeah
0: i didn't even know he was that uh, that deer but now that you say that I was, i've heard jerry say the McCrab monster so many times yeah i thought he was a fictional character yeah
1: well he was uh <laughs> he was mature in 2017 that's the last time anybody hunted that farm saw him Huh. and uh you know once he's dead word kind of gets traveling around up there you know people start talking it's like hey i've had pictures of him for
0: oh really for years so he was still around everyone was just trying to keep it hushed because they were trying to get him killed yeah that's yeah. crazy it's
1: it's nuts i mean the part like crazy part about it was back when i saw him back then he was 200 plus inch deer
0: yeah no i remember the stories yeah like and, and it wasn't just jerry would talk about him but there was like multiple people who had apparently seen this deer you yeah. know uh, back in that time
1: and he had a big drop then too yeah you know
0: yeah um so. That's wild. Pretty neat. <laughs> yeah.
1: Lucky and being in the right place, right time, you know. Yeah. Just all of mean, the above. I what? bet
0: Jerry was just amped.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, he was he was
0: tickled to death. That's crazy. Well, good for you, man.
1: Yeah, it was I mean, it's one
0: well, of
1: them deals that's why you go out there and you're expecting something like that, you know, but you never think it's really gonna
0: happen. What was it uh what was it like what was it like doing a trip like that and it not being for a show, not being filmed? You know, man,
1: it was it was kind of a you know, I mean? you know a, being a hundred percent honest with you. It was it was fun, and then it wasn't fun because I didn't have anybody to share it with. Yeah, like which is unique in a fashion from what I'm used to because ninety percent of the deer that I've killed in the last eight nine years have been with somebody somebody's always there yeah and uh you know especially like after the shot so used to you know let's look at the footage and mm-hmm. you know you can get a good idea of what happened and but then again it was fun on the aspect of just hunting right and yeah you know from a video standpoint there's always video came first
0: right has to you
1: know to be able to tell a story through the eyes of a camera all that has to play out correctly and then when you don't have that you know it's, it was it was good and but like i enjoyed both sides of it yeah pros know? and cons right right. Like, interesting loading a deer up by myself i wish somebody was there <laughs>
0: <laughs> especially one of those big midwest deer
1: like, he was freaking tank man. yeah i
0: bet he was like deer that old he's gonna be look like a body like a septic tank well that i mean
1: of course i didn't study his horns that much but he didn't look as impressive as he is on hoof
0: huh yeah
1: because he's so big because he's so big his head literally would not if you were to try to if you cut his horns off his head would not fit in a five gallon bucket (laughs) like it's huge like just how big the neck and head and that's cool body size that deer was yeah but, but yeah it was it was interesting for sure mm-hmm. yep so also my dad went up there with me for the first leg of it so yeah he was around about having a good time i'm
0: sure he was loving that mm-hmm. probably trying to tell jerry how to operate his combine
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, he didn't have a tag or anything he just came t- tagged along hung out at the house yeah went he went and sat and watched from fields a couple times sightseeing yeah
0: yeah that's cool so um the upland tale yeah let's hear about it here we go i man see this is what i tell folks and like uh, granted like it's not as if i thought like there was that many people that just didn't care to hear i wouldn't even talk about it so i mean there was like there was i was actually encouraged by the amount of folks that were like man that sounds cool or you know that had done the grouse thing before but yeah so like we alluded to earlier the first time i went upland hunting was five six years ago something like that and you were there ben was there you enjoyed it but you didn't get bit by the bug like i did that's why you still go hunting rutting bucks in november yep. and i go try to shoot grouse you know different strokes different folks uh but yeah the the upland thing i fell head first for it. You know, I just liked it a whole lot. And I've made at least one trip every year since then. Um this year being different because like I said roles have changed um with primos and on i I'm just I'm a little bit more flexible and um have time to put emphasis in other areas. And so uh Ben Bredigan who works at On um we had the opportunity to go to the north country and hunt grouse and pheasant for a few days. And what are you calling a North country? Uh, Minnesota. Like Canada, not far from it, but oh, yeah, yeah, up there in Minnesota, Wisconsin, all that stuff. I mean, like, like northern state stuff, northern state stuff. Gotcha. I mean, like, up there. Um, and so, yeah, I pack my stuff, me and Knox load up and leave central Mississippi at 73 degrees and drive. By the time I get stopped, we've been driving for a long time, but we are. Way farther north, and it's about 17 degrees. (laughs) But there's a couple of reasons why. What
1: kind of, uh, like, wooded areas y'all hunting?
0: So that's the thing about ruffed grouse. It's like. um, They're called ruffed. Ruffed. R-U-F-F-E-D. Ruffed grouse. Like ruffed up. Yeah. Gotcha. So there's a couple reasons why ruffed grouse are intriguing. For one, do you know what I'm like? Have you ever seen one? Uh Uh-uh. I saw your pictures, but they just look like a bird. Let me, I'll show you. They they look like a miniature turkey. Oh, really? Legitimately. Huh. Like they'll get up and when they and so they like gobble. No, they. Uh, anyone that is more well versed or well experienced in upland hunting, I'm about to show how novice I am at my knowledge of this. But they, I mean, they they'll get up on. They live in like very 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 dense timber okay so you get it you look in the the habitat where they live in you go how in the world am i going to shoot a bird with a shotgun in this stuff i mean it's just like thick um alder thickets or young aspen growth i mean just i'm talking thick like hmm. over your head just you can't hardly see you're just looking at branches um and you can like you can go on youtube and type in you know like rough grouse drumming and stuff and they'll get on like old logs and deadfall. Well, I've
1: heard them drum when we've been turkey hunting.
0: Yeah, and they'll strut and they'll fan out. They'll look like a little turkey. (gasps) They're they're super... I mean, like, I'll show you when we're done. I have... uh, The fans I got from when I killed, they look like little bitty turkey fans. (laughs) They're super cool. Um, But my interest in so i mean strictly from an aesthetic point i wanted to hunt those because they look cool and then i'd heard it was just a completely different game than the pheasant stuff because pheasants you're hunting in prairie open stuff Mm -hmm. and i'd heard that you know a lot of folks in the upland world they refer to the rough grouse as the king you're going after the king because he's uh, well i don't know maybe it's because of how he looks how he you know when he drums and shows his fan maybe that's why or maybe it's because some say it's because of the difficulty of hunting him because one they're hard to get on um and two they're they're super hard to like they can be hard to shoot just because you're in such thick wooded timber right uh but you know and B- ben was even like hey um are you sure you want to try rough grass i know you're driving a long way we can just hunt pheasants if you want because they are a little bit easier and i was like no man i want to try it. He's like, all right well we get up there and we'll hunt a day and if you know if it sucks we'll switch over and you know, do something i'm like all right cool but uh yeah so we cut out and um start walking and man it's like i'll put it this way me being as fired up about it as i was enough so to drive myself up that far just to go chase this bird uh the first walk again it's like it's under 20 degrees and i'm walking through it reminded me of When I was in high school, I got my first job helping Keith Polk mark boundary lines. Mm -hmm. And when you're painting boundary lines on properties, sometimes you get a walk in the park, you're walking through open hardwoods, sometimes you're walking through a pine thicket, you got to go wherever that property line is. And I I remember just walking through, like, thick stuff with a bucket of boundary line marking paint and being like, I can't even hardly walk through this. (laughs) And, uh... But at least I was getting paid for it, (laughs) you know? But, like, the first part of this rough grouse hunt starts, it is wicked cold, and we walk about 50 yards through thick timber, but not bad, and all of a sudden we get into this thick stuff, and I'm like, how in the world? Like, how would I even shoot anything in this? And I'm going, maybe I should have told Ben I wanted to hunt pheasants. (laughs) I mean, it was was thick, man. It was thick, but um, I have Knox with me, who is – who has become an accomplished dog on pheasants and that kind of stuff but rough grouse very new to him um the guy that i was hunting with uh, a guy named george ben and um simon split off into a different group uh, strictly because uh, out of all the positive things i say about my dog ben and i didn't hunt together because Knox and his dog herb they'll be trying to drop elbows on each other the entire time like they don't (laughs) they don't get along anymore too much alpha male uh, but I'm hunting with George and George has English pointers and we get to walk in and starting to look at the country or, or the habitat I'm like man this is pretty cool looking in here all these young aspens and all, all of his English pointers all have these bells around their collars. And so the whole time you're walking, you're just hearing these bells ring. And
1: Right, that'd be about the only way you know if they're pointing, right? Yeah,
0: well, George has a handheld on his GPS. But <coughs> that that's like the traditional grouse hunter way I learned as you listen for that bell. Yeah, that's the way blood dogs are down here. And it's, it's pretty cool, you know, because i'm starting to get in the rhythm of it you know you figuring out you know you're looking for this kind of cover and george was super helpful and saying hey you kind of want to look for this and they try to you know do this and he said always be mindful of that, that bell if that bell stops he's likely on point and sure enough we walk for a little while and all of a sudden that bell goes ka-ting, ka-ting, ka-ting. and i look over i'm like i mean he's like he's looks at his hand tail he said mm-hmm. but he's about 100 yards up there let's go So we start weaving and moving, and it's one of those things, again, like I love watching a good dog do his thing. And sure enough, as we get closer through all those aspens, I can pick out this the white coat of that English pointer Mm -hmm. and just frozen solid. That tail's pointed out, and I'm like, oh, man, he's got one pointed. And uh, we get up there to it, and you got to try to ease because – we're on public land, and they've been pressured a lot this time of the year. They've been hunted for a while, so if you walk—I mean, if you go just crunching leaves, running up to them, the bird will flush out of there before you even get to it. But right. so we're trying to ease up there as quietly as we can and get up to it. And George is like, "All right, are you ready?" And I'm like, I'm looking around because we're still in these thick aspens. I'm like, I don't know how in the world I'm going to shoot, but I'm as ready as I'm going to be. Blow a hole through. <laughs> he goes easing up through it, and he's walking all of a sudden. And erupts out of this deadfall of the logs, this single grouse, and I just remember seeing a blur of that small tail fan just come shooting out of the diagonal and I just boom and the grouse just kept kept going. Mm. It did not fall. <laughs> uh and then my gun jammed, so I only had one shot. The same it, gun
1: has been jamming.
0: No. Uh no, different gun. Um, you should clean them things. I should. Uh but george was like george was like man not many folks get to see their first point and shoot shot at a grouse that early into their first time hunting he's like even though you missed he said one missing grouse is very common especially shooting them in this stuff two we just it's always measure success by finding grouse and seeing the dog work i'm like fine by me but i wish i would have hit him yeah. uh <laughs> but no we ended up shooting one that day as luck would have it um by the grace of god the lord just put it right in knox's path that he was walking and uh we were actually made this big loop um and we got on one more grouse and george uh found a grouse but we were separated he shot he missed as well uh and we actually were making a loop headed back towards the truck and i'm watching knox just trot around in front of me and knox knows enough to know that we're hunting because we got guns out but as far as like he's never done this stuff before so i'm really not expecting a whole lot i'm watching him and all of a sudden he starts like i see him start looking around and sticking his nose up in the air and his tail starts wagging and he's getting he looks like he's getting birdie like he does when we're pheasant hunting Mm. but i honestly don't put that much stock into it because i'm like there's no way he's never done this before thank the good lord i keep him close to me he wasn't like twenty five yards out in front of me i see him, he keeps twisting his head around looking all of a sudden he shoves his head down into this cover and <laughs> out shoots a grouse and i'm like oh boom and as soon as i shot the again these woods are so thick i lost sight of the grouse so i, did, I george is like did you get it i'm like i don't know i don't know and i see Knox running over there all of a sudden Knox just appears in these aspens he has the grouse in his mouth and oh, I'm like, oh my god i got him um so that was cool we uh we grouse hunted for a few more days um both me and Knox got a better hang of it i enjoyed it a ton i I don't know what it is about it that i like so much the dogs the birds the the habitat the camaraderie there's there's a lot of there's a lot more camaraderie with bird hunting you know because you can it's a social deal yeah you can talk to one another um the other thing that was cool about it is after we got done with grouse uh I got the opportunity to go pheasant hunt for a few days, but Ben had to, everyone else had to, we all had to kind of go our separate ways, and so it was just Knox and I on our own. Yeah, that's uh, first. Yeah, I so I had full confidence that Knox could find, especially in pheasants. I'm like, not at this point, Knox has done like has four or five years worth of you know decent amount of pheasant hunting, mm-hmm. but four years, yeah, four years and i'm like he can do that but it was like it was a completely different like as i'm driving out to the first spot I, I hadn't really thought that much into it i was like this is the first time i've done this wild you know wild stuff i mean i don't have any if someone wants to shoot the release pheasants that's fine that's just not what i was doing you know um and i was like i've never been in a situation where i was the The only gun, Uh, Knox was the only dog. Mm -hmm. Whatever success or fail we have, it all falls on me. You know, (laughs) so I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) you know, intimidating. It it was, man. And the other thing, it's like, I remember. Pheasant hunting initially sounded cool to me because I was like you walk through the field talking to your buddies and you shoot birds. I didn't realize there's a lot more different intricacies to it. Mm-hmm. Like as far as putting the dogs where the wind works in their favor, as far as working specific pieces of cover. Um and that ball game changes as well when you're by yourself. That's what I was uh, I was calling and telling Ben that after our first day we we'd shot a rooster and uh I was telling Ben is like I would get to a piece of cover that I'd pheasant hunted long enough that I know I, that looks good. There's probably some birds in there. Mm-hmm. But typically, we have no less than three people with us. So we go, all right, I'll get on this side. You get on this side. You Surround head up right them here. and close in. Whereas, boys. like, now I'm having to go, what side do I get on? Because I don't know what side he's going to try to pop out of. Yeah. And so it was a, it was very different trying to figure that out where you have to just kind of put yourself in, like, well, he can come out of three ways, but this one seems like the most plausible one and it's a it's a coin toss it's just you got to play your odds right uh but so yeah we pheasant hunted for two days um got our limit uh it was fantastic time it was it was a lot of fun Good. Um, would 100 percent do it again um i told lacy that i wouldn't stay too terribly long so i didn't push it too much she's gonna listen to this episode so uh, you're going
1: back next week right
0: i'm leaving tomorrow actually <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna squeeze another two weeks out yeah. yeah no i don't know what it is man like running dogs watching Knox find birds and run down birds and flush them and retrieve them I, I just love it i love every bit of it so right it was a lot of fun yeah it was a lot of fun mm. um, something past time until turkey season anyway yeah well everything's a pastime until turkey season (laughs) but you know either way whether it's feathers or fur it was a pretty eventful first half of november
1: yeah yeah so i'm uh i'm gonna be hanging out around here for the next couple weeks and i got the property up in the mississippi delta been working on and probably go homestead there in december
0: yeah i don't blame you i'm just interested when the ducks get down there
1: that's what I'm homesteading for. Scout. <laughs> I'm going to be homesteading for a yeah. scout.
0: Yeah. I don't, um, I go to Montana to do some more bird stuff in December, but yeah. Oh, ha- that's ha- going
1: to be cold, boy. It's
0: going to be real cold. But it's going to be real cold. Mon-
1: Montana.
0: Montana. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, we've rambled long enough. Guys, yeah. I hope you enjoyed the two different types of hunting stories on very far ends of the spectrum, but. Um. Yeah, we'll wrap this 100% conversation. Gonna
1: think mine's cooler.
0: I don't doubt it. Like <laughs> I said, I, I it, with the people that listen to this show, I am in the minority that would choose a bird hunt over a deer hunt, but I'm fine with that. Yeah. So, are uh, we always gonna give you crap about it? So. That's more than fine. My dog's happy, so I'm happy. Your dog looks tired. He's tired, but happy. I ran him pretty hard. He's been asleep for our last hour. He slept the entire drive home. Anyway. Y'all have a good weekend. Yep, yep, yep. If you have any questions, as always, don't hesitate to reach out. We'll catch y'all back here next week. As always, thank you so very much for listening to the Speak the Language podcast presented by Onyx Hunt.